Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Let's pray over the word this evening and ask God to touch us and strengthen us together in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you tonight. We ask you, Lord, to let the anointing and the authority of the word, let it find a resting place and fertile soil in our heart and mind, that we will not just hear it with our ears, but, oh God, let us hear it with our heart and implement it into our lives. And I pray that your strength, that your power and your presence will move us and change us, God, as your word challenges us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He may be seated in the fear of the Lord. It was somewhere in the roaring 20s when a bridge was built entitled the Silver Bridge that would connect one portion of West Virginia and Ohio was dedicated. As throngs of people showed up in celebration of this somewhat new invention of a suspended bridge, great fanfare as bands and people from all around those parts gathered and began to march across that bridge rejoicing in the accomplishments of mankind. It was entitled the Silver Bridge only because that was what color it was painted, but it maintained that title and it still maintains that title to this day or it did originally. However, the day of that fanfare and celebration would all come to a screeching halt just four decades later on a cold Friday evening in December of 1967. During the rush hour, the Silver Bridge started swaying without warning and then crashed into the Ohio River. Of the 37 vehicles crossing the bridge at the time, 31 of them plunged into the icy waters and 46 people died. Many others were injured. It seemed as though something that had been celebrated and represented such a great accomplishment of man had now crumbled into, into a heap and leaving those, of course, affected by that somewhat perplexed. It was later that investigators determined a very small defect, perhaps as small as two and a half millimeter crack in one single eye bar led to this disaster. It didn't take much, but when it come crumbling down, many lives were taken. Much like a ship, when it crashes on a reef, it's not just a single vessel that pays the price, but often it's passengers and crew as well. In like fashion, when the saint of God finds themselves shipwrecked, it's not just them alone that stands. It's not just them alone that's affected by that but it has devastating effects on those in the church and even beyond the church, those outside of the church. There are many reasons for such a fall, but we should never underestimate, I think at the core of all of this, 
is our flesh. And this evening I want to talk about the work of the Spirit because it is imperative that we understand the war that is going on in all of our lives. Amen. There are many reasons that we uh, could cite for the possible or the, 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 the probable cause of someone's life running aground, but I think if we were to brush back all of the fodder, we would just find in the center of all of that is human will. It is our flesh. The old man, that's our enemy. It's the man in the mirror, as the poem says. And every one of us are destined for such a fall if we do not challenge the ungodly tendencies in our life. So I'm just going to ask us this evening, if we can, for a moment of time to just climb down off of our pedestal of self-righteousness and realize that we are all made of fallible clay and we all have the ability to make wrong decisions and make wrong turns. I've never, never wanted to rejoice at the fall of anyone. As a matter of fact, I've always found that to be a quite grievous thing to, to see people that were... They were in the hand of God, in the work of God, many of them in the throes of what God was about to give birth to in their life. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, we find it all comes crumbling down. But I would say tonight that it is, it is, it is imperative that we understand the flesh that we wrestle against day in and day out. I can't trust my flesh. I can't trust my heart. Jeremiah said our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, we think about that and sometimes find it hard to place ourselves within the context of that passage of Scripture. But in truth, we all abide there every day. It's who we are. Trouble will follow those invariably who fail to walk humbly before the Lord in absolute obedience. And so it doesn't matter how we start the race really doesn't even matter how we are in the race. What really is going to matter is if we finish the race. And so I must at all costs pray and ask God every day to help me keep me in check. Because my enemy is not in front of me tonight, but my enemy is the man holding this mic this evening. The enemy in front of you tonight is, is or what we sometimes perceive as the enemy is not really the enemy but our real struggle is with us. The totality of man's being was corrupted in the garden and we just cannot escape. We cannot escape the magnitude of what we read about in that Genesis fall. It doesn't take but just a few verses to summarize the fall of Adam and Eve and the judgment that was placed upon their lives. Just a few verses can capsulize all of that for us. But our mind and our heart, even after all of these years, cannot grasp the magnitude of how that still affects us today. The body became subject to weakening. The body became subject to death. The mind and our will and our emotions were contaminated to the point that they have a natural inclination towards sin. That's what happened in the fall. Our body weakened we became subject to death. Our will, our mind, our emotions have that natural bent toward sinfulness. And it sounds almost trite at this moment to say it again, but you don't have to teach children wrong. You have to teach them right because the natural bent is toward the things of the flesh. 
The spirit suffered decline and became dead in trespasses and sin. And so that's why Jesus said that we must be born again if we're going to successfully live and be a part, an effective part of the kingdom of God. And so when we hear the term born again, that's not just some phrase that we toss around lightly, but it is an imperative of our lives. John chapter three and verse number five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen. So I must be very intentional about my relationship with God and allow the spirit of the Lord to be at work in my life. I want him to be at work this evening in this service, not just be present, not just show up, not just clap our hands and worship a little bit, but I want the spirit to be at work in my life right now. His spirit, his spirit must experience a regeneration and a new life by the spirit that is empowered in dwelling in us in order for us to have eternal life. Jesus said that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so if I am going to be born of the Spirit, if I'm going to stay alive, I've got to stay connected to the Spirit. I want to stay connected to the Spirit. Amen. The Spirit's able to heal the body, but the body in and of itself is not born again. It's our spirit that is rejuvenated. The body is still mortal. The body will one day die. But the soul, our mind, our will, our emotion, it also experiences a spiritual renewal through new birth. The scriptures admonish us, us to have the mind of Christ and submit our will to his will. Amen. And what a chore that can be when we go to play this out day by day by day. I don't want to sound as though we're being hypocritical tonight, but it is one thing to say amen to the preaching and the teaching. It's one thing to give a thumbs up to the word of God, but it's quite another animal to play this out day by day and allow the spirit of God to help us submit our will to his will, our way to his way. It's a responsibility. It's our responsibility to allow the spirit of God to work and to bring about a continual renewing, a continual uh, refreshing and transformation to our whole body, to our complete being. Paul said to the church in Rome in, in Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we can't be conformed to the world. We have to be transformed and that transformation takes place by the renewing of our mind. We can never discount the power of prayer and relationship with letting the spirit of God be at work in our lives. That nudging and that prodding of the spirit that leads us and guides us, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but day by day, the leading and the prompting of his spirit. I wanna follow the leading of the spirit. I want to follow the leading of his will. Oftentimes, many people are, are rather driven by their carnal desires and fleshly desires rather than the spirit of God. But I need to learn how to live in the spirit. I realize that sounds somewhat mystical, but it's truly not. Amen, I want to be able to be led by the spirit of God. It's possible for us to be led by the flesh, even with the Holy Ghost. 
It's possible for us to be led by the flesh. And so all that's necessary in order for us to be led by the flesh is just ignore the Spirit's cry. Just ignore the prompting of the Spirit and just embrace the impulse of the flesh. That's all it takes to, to be led by the flesh. Even though I've got the Holy Ghost, even though you've been baptized in his name, all I got to do is just ignore his voice and ignore that prompting and yield myself to those things. So that's why I must not only experience new birth, but I need to live every day according to the word of God and the spirit of God. In other words, I can't just come get the Holy Ghost and go find a favorite place to sit and just wait for the trumpet to sound or wait for my time on this earth's journey to come to an end. But I need to be led by the Spirit and let the Spirit of God work in my life. Amen. The work of the Spirit sometimes seems so subtle that we can often wonder and even question if in fact that God is making any changes in our life. But I'll promise you that the Spirit at work in our heart is urging us, nudging us closer and closer Galatians 5 and 25 says, if we live in the spirit, then let us also walk in the spirit. I want to walk in that. In his letter to Galatians, Paul contrasted the works of the flesh against the fruit of the spirit. He stated that the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so in the midst of this struggle, we have to decide which one of these, the flesh or the spirit, is going to have the victory. Which one will prevail? We can talk about being in control and having our flesh in control. We can talk about all of those things, but it doesn't take but just a little proactiveness on our part to realize who's really in control. Amen. How many times have you ever decided, I'm gonna fast today until about noon? And then all of a sudden, maybe at one or two o'clock, the flesh starts winning out. Or we say, I'm going to set this regiment of prayer every day and this is what I'm going to do. And, and then at first that seems okay and it fits into our schedule. It works into what we're doing, but it doesn't take much for that to nudge us out and off center. And we realize exactly who is the loud voice in our lives. And so we hold the key. That's kind of a scary thing. We hold the key. Galatians 5 and 16, the Bible says, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how can I conquer the flesh? Here's the key. I gotta walk in the spirit. I've gotta lend myself to the spirit of God. I've got to lend myself to the word of God, whether that's in private personal devotions and study or that's what we're doing here tonight. We're lending ourselves to the word of God. Verse 17 says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul said there is a real battle that's going on and it would do us well not to ignore this and pretend that it's not so. Even someone with the Holy Ghost can struggle between the flesh and the spirit and it would be fitting for some good Holy Ghost filled people to say amen right here. We can fight in that struggle, so we gotta live in the spirit. And living in the spirit helps me to fight the impulses of the flesh. I, I could ask and will ask how many have ever just wanted to give somebody a piece of your mind. That impulse to just say what's on your mind. Amen. It's so easy to give into the impulses of the flesh. 
and I'll stop meddling here so you can relax a little bit. But there's a stark difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. A very stark difference. The works of the flesh, Paul lists things like adultery and fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like. Paul says, and then he contrasts that immediately within just a few verses by saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And oh, what a contrast there is. And there is the battle. There is the battle. All of those things listed above versus the things that Paul lists below. Before a person is born again, we can't help but to sin because that's our nature. We're born in sin, shaping in iniquity. But when a person is born again, sin no longer has to have the rule in our life because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We do have overcoming power because we have the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling inside. <clears throat> Romans 6 and 6, the Bible says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen, I'm thankful tonight for the, the, the victory and the release from the power of domination of sin in my life. Amen, the spirit of God that would touch us and cleanse us and strengthen us. You don't have to be but just slightly associated with someone that is bound by sin to realize what a privilege it is to have victory over sin. Amen, I don't mean that critically, but I'm telling you that very, very accurately. All you have to do is be around someone that just can't seem to break the clutches or break free from the clutches of sin to realize what a joy and what a privilege it is and what an humbling thing it is that the Spirit of God would dwell in our heart and in our lives and give us overcoming power. I thank God that I'm free from the power and the bondage of sin. You don't have to sin a little every day, a little every week, a little every month. We don't have to bow down to that altar, not because of our flesh, but because there is a work of the Spirit in our lives. Amen. To be sure, a born-again person can sin if they choose to sin, but if they sin, it's not because they're in bondage to sin. Hear me now. It's they sin because they have based that on carnality. We are giving in to what we desire to do because otherwise we have the power not to. And so to avoid the path of sin, the scriptures challenge us to live and walk in the spirit. Amen. It's hard to pray and to study and to read the word of God and then give in to the things of flesh. But when we stray too far away from those spiritual disciplines, that's when our flesh starts getting the upper hand. Isn't it amazing? I, I, this is probably a poor example, but, but some of the things that we face in our flesh so much parallel the things that we face in our spirit. And we can struggle, uh, we can struggle. There was a time in my life I never thought I would struggle with, uh, with weight issues, but that's not been the case for many years now. And, uh, but, it, but you tr just work as hard as you can just to lose a few and then sniff a biscuit and gain three. Amen. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how hard it is to get where you need to be and want to be 
and then hold that and it just seems so easy for those other things just to come into our life and so it is of the spirit that we just fight and struggle to be where we need to be with God and then it seems like those things can be so easily lost. I'm not saying that to sound discouraging. What I'm telling you tonight is this, to say, to use that example to show us how important it is to be, to be forthright and to be consistent in the things of God. Amen. We must exercise ourselves toward righteousness. The book of Romans chapter eight and verse number one, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, there is no sentence pronounced against those who are in Christ. As long as they walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Because our spiritual position is a position of freedom and not condemnation. The only way that condemnation can come upon us is when we fail to listen again to the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And oh, how condemning that can be when the Spirit warns and the Spirit nudges and the Spirit prods and we ignore that. In the history of the human race, mankind has been governed basically by two covenants. Those two covenants are the law of Moses and the law of grace. The law of Moses or the law itself was holy. The law was just. I think it's fair to say that the law was even good. But it required works of obedience and and no person, not one person could ever fulfill that perfectly. The law identified sin. The law was designated to show us a need for a savior. And so the law was that finger pointing ever forward to that which was to come. Amen. It was not designed to be the final answer for the, for the dilemma of sin because it was going to take Calvary to make that come to fruition. So while the law did not make provision for humans to offer sacrifices for their sins, or while it did make provisions for us to offer sacrifices for our sins, those, those offerings were only ceremonial. They were just something that would push back sin, if I could use that phrase. It would just take away the sin for a season, but not remove it eternally. The law was limited in its purpose and certainly was limited in its permanence. The law was just a temporary thing and it would last until Jesus came. And so let me say again tonight that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. When Jesus came, it introduced the dispensation of grace. There's little debate that we are under the dispensation of grace today. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God, that unmerited favor of the Lord in our lives. Grace is the empowering force that is given to humankind that gives us the desire and the strength to do the will of God, his grace. By the grace of God, we are where we are tonight. And we would be foolish to think anything less than that. It is the grace of God that has brought us to where we are that empowering force that gives us not only the ability to serve God, but the desire to serve God. I had someone in a conversation not long ago underline those two things, and I appreciated that because I'm thankful that the Lord didn't just give me the Holy Ghost, but I'm thankful that he gave me a desire to serve him. Amen. A desire to serve him. I've seen people get the Holy Ghost and never come back to church. Amen. I'm thankful that the Lord put something in my heart that there's a yearning and a, and a burning, hallelujah. Amen, I was glad that it was Wednesday. I was glad when 7.30 came and 
I was glad to hear the first note of music tonight because I needed that spirit and the power of God and I need his word in my life. It's the grace of God, his grace. And so since there are only these two covenants, we would expect to see traces of the covenant of grace even before uh, the law. And that's certainly true. For example, the Bible says of Noah that he found grace in the eyes of God. We see grace in the life of Abraham and certainly Abraham predated the law. The grace of God is so powerful that it guarantees us victory in our life if we don't reject it. Amen. I don't want to reject the grace of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. We can have some good things in our possession and let them go. I can have the grace and the power of the Holy Ghost and still yield myself to the temptations of the old man. Amen. So I want to be obedient to the Spirit of God. I want to be obedient to the Word of God because in that is where I find my victory. Romans 8 and 31, the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And so we stand tonight on the firm foundation of his word and not our own ability or our own strength. There is the law of the flesh, that fleshly body that operates basically through our five senses. It's through these gates, ways of communication that we have influences in our life. And then there is the law of the spirit. When a man is born again, his spirit is reborn. This born again spirit also, if we could parallel that, has those senses as well, spiritual senses, much in the same way that the body physically functions. The Bible says in Hebrews 5 and 14, but strong meat belongeth to them which are of full age, even those whose by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so there are spiritual senses just like there are natural senses. Therefore, I gotta exercise my spiritual senses. I need to exercise them. And by doing so, I can discern between what's right and what's wrong. I've often said, not only publicly but privately, that we always need to pray for a spirit of discernment. Amen. Holy Ghost-filled people need a spirit of discernment. We need to pray and ask God to help us to be able to discern right from wrong, what's in tune with what's out of tune. Amen. Consider the exercise of these, of these spiritual gifts. We, talk, we could talk about spiritual seeing or spiritual sight. In Ephesians 1 and 18, the Bible says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen, I need spiritual eyes. Amen, to be open, to open my mind and my heart to understanding. Galatians 3 and 2 talks about our hearing. This only what I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Amen, I wanna exercise my spiritual ear to be able to hear and discern the voice of God. James 4 and 8 talks about feeling. He said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen, I wanna be able to draw close enough to God that I can feel him and sense him. Amen, I've been in services where people felt the presence of the Lord and I didn't feel the presence of the Lord. 
That alarms me. Amen. That alarms me. I gotta push something. That means I gotta push something else back. I gotta push some things aside. I've got too many things going on in my mind. I want to draw near to Him. I need to feel Him. The Bible talks about in Psalms 34 and 8. Tasting, David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Amen, I wanna taste the word of God. Ezekiel was was told, as the word was set before him, to eat of this, partake of this, ingest this. I wanna taste and see that the Lord is good. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter two and verse 16, the Bible says, to, to the one we are the savior of death unto the, to the one we are the savior of death unto death and to the other the savior the savor of life I'm sorry to the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other we are the savor of life unto life amen the word savor means aroma amen I want to be able to sense when the spirit and the presence of the Lord I want to exercise myself I want to get sensitive enough to the spirit and the presence of God now you know what I'm talking about here is not necessarily applicable certainly it would be applicable to the to a worship service but not necessarily applicable applicable to a worship service. I've been in in, a, in odd circumstances or situations when I began to sense that the Lord wanted to do something. Amen. We've had company in our home. As a matter of fact, this happened not too long ago. Someone was sitting in our home and we were discussing, they were discussing with us a situation that they were going through in their life and they weren't necessarily requesting prayer, but they were just talking about that. And I just felt the Spirit of the Lord prompt me at that moment that we need to pray and we need to pray right now. Amen. I'm thankful for that feeling and that tasting and that seeing and that sensing, amen, that right now the Lord is wanting to do something in this very moment, amen, so just like the physical body gets strength from the physical world, in like fashion, so the spiritual man gets strength from the spiritual world. I don't want to sound uh, uh, out of the way here tonight, but I'm going to tell you what you feed, that's what's going to grow. That's what's going to grow. If we feed our flesh, our flesh is going to grow. If we feed our spirit, our spirit is going to grow. And so the primary source of spiritual strength is the word of God. And so whatever fashion you can get the word of God, I want to get it. If that's reading the word of God, studying the word of God, meditating on it, listening to it, ever how we consume the word of God, memorizing. I I was thinking Sunday morning as our young people, uh, some of our Bible quizzers were reciting those scriptures as they were as they were sharing that with us I thought my Lord how powerful this is in their life that they are getting something in their heart their word they are feeding the spirit man and so as we consume the word of God it begins to put meat on our bone it nourishes the spiritual being and continues the spiritual renewing process we got to keep growing in him I don't ever want to get tired of growing in him Consider, if we can, the carnal mind versus the spiritual mind. In Romans 8 and 5, the Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Humanity is was so corrupted by sin from the very, very beginning. The human mind 
has a decided pronounced tendency toward things which are wrong and I have to work every day to pull it back into what is right. Even after being born again, the flesh still possesses that natural proclivity to oppose the will of God. Amen, to oppose the word of God and the favor of God. So that's why I need to allow the spirit to dominate, the spirit to lead. And when we do, our mind takes on a spiritual dimension and we begin to think differently. Amen, we begin to grow in the likeness of God. Our lives are changed. And here, amen, in this process, we begin to discard the old way of living, the old way of thinking, the old way of talking, the old way of walking. How many would confess tonight that you're not the person you used to be because the work of the Spirit has been allowed to flow in your life. People around you see that difference. They note that difference, whether they make that known or not. Consequently, we begin to look at life from God's point of view, not necessarily how we would see it, because the carnal mind is an enemy of God. And so following the impulses of flesh, if we always just do what the flesh says, I promise you that will lead to spiritual death. Following the impulse of the spirit, of course, will just lead us to spiritual renewal. And it's not a complicated process. If we feed the carnal nature, it's gonna flourish. If we feed the the spiritual nature, it's going to flourish. Amen. There's no power sufficient to override the power of God and the love of God, the grace of God. His grace is sufficient and nothing can pluck us out of his hand. What and who can separate us from the love of God? Of course, God is not going to violate our freedom of choice and this is such a powerful, powerful, scary tool. He will not violate our freedom of choice if we choose to forsake the leading of the Spirit then we can do just that. You have the choice whether or not we're going to worship, whether or not we're going to praise, whether or not we're even going to come to church, whether or not we're going to participate. We have the choice as to what we're going to do when we get up and walk out of this building tonight. We have been given that choice. But if we're willing to obey the grace of God and the spirit of God and walk in his word, nothing can separate us from the power of the Lord. According to Romans 8 and 35 through 39, whether we are faced with tribulation, Paul said distress, persecution, famine, sword, death, or any other power, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us if we'll just put our hand in his and trust him. And so when we are faced with adverse circumstances, we need to confess the truth that's found in the word of God and hold on to those assurances of scripture. I'm thankful for the word of God. It is that sustaining grace in our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. The initial and basic work of the spirit within us is the renewing or the rebirth of our spirit which was dead in trespasses and sins. And so that frees us, the Holy Ghost frees us from the claim of sin's authority in our life. Amen. Paul spoke so vividly about that struggle, the things that he wanted to do he could not do and that that he did not want to do, that's what he found himself doing. And Paul was so transparently honest about the battle that was between the spirit and the flesh. Amen. But new birth was, of course, made possible by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. He took sin's penalty in our place, his own flesh on a tree, taking away sin's right to hold us any longer. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have in the Holy Ghost. And so as we learn how to yield to the prompting of the Spirit, we see sin losing its hold and its charge in our lives. And those those sinful, fleshly, carnal impulses 
are further and further and further apart. The Spirit empowers us to live without sin. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Ghost. That's what empowers us to live above sin. Let's stand. Can we do that? The grace of God empowers us with a desire to do the will of God and not the will of flesh, his will. So the way we escape, how do we navigate through all of this? How are we going to successfully find ourselves? Amen, on heaven's sweet shore. It's gonna be because we were diligent every day, not just every now and then. Not just sometimes, but every day I need to pray and ask the God Ask God to touch my mind and my heart. Amen. I, I, I think about the scriptures often when I'm praying in the mornings about ordering my steps in your word. I have no idea what I will encounter no more than you. And I say pray. So I pray, God, order my steps in your word. Amen. Keep me. Keep me carefully. Keep me cautiously. Amen. I want to I wanna live a life pleasing to him. Amen. I'm not alone in that, am I? Let's worship the Lord as we end this service tonight in this song. If you need the Lord to touch you tonight, there's not a better time. You're right here in the right place. Amen. Would you let the Spirit of God touch you and strengthen you in Jesus' name? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.